And this is such an important idea because it's a daily occurrence. It's, it's one of the essentials, it's one of the assaults of being religious to listen. To what is God telling me now? What does God want for me now? And when we do that, we strengthen God in the world. When we listen to Him, we bring Him more into the world and we fulfill our purpose and we bring blessings to the entire world. Episode number 94. Welcome to the Torah Podcast. Lessons from authentic Judaism. Get the tools and inspiration you need for personal growth. Hosted by Rabbi Mitterhoff. Shalom, this is Rabbi Eliyahu Mitterhoff with this week's Torah Podcast. The Torah portion week is Vayikra. When God speaks, Jews listen. Translating reality. And we're going to have a powerful parable about a professional thief. We're going to have a great story about Rebbe Kivi Eger and peace in your home, giving the proper attention. And now, the Torah portion of the week with novel ideas from the classic commentaries. The first Pasuk in Vayikris is like this. He called to Moses and Hashem spoke to him from the tent of meeting. So the Midrash Rabbah explains that the voice that Hashem spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu with was the same voice from Sinai, the same voice that caused all the Jewish people's souls to go out of their body, the same voice that caused the whole world to tremble. It was tremendously loud, except Rashi explains on the Pasuk that the Jews didn't hear. Only Moshe Rabbeinu heard. It was only Moshe who heard. So how can it be that the Jews didn't hear such a loud voice? So the Orachim goes on to explain like this. The verse says, He called Moses. Who's he? Hashem. Why doesn't it say that Hashem called Moses? Why does it leave out the one who called Moses? So he explains like this. And maybe the verse came to teach us. Listen to this. The essence of God is. Only someone who desires to hear God will hear him. But a person who doesn't desire, he won't hear. No matter how loud God is speaking, no matter how powerful it is, we don't hear it unless we want to hear it. It's dependent on our will, on our ratzon. If we desire, we will hear God. And if we don't desire, we won't hear it. That's a very scary thought. It's dependent upon us. And the Svasama says like this, the first Midrash on this week's Parsha is talking about the angels. The angels say, Blessed Hashem, O His angels, the strong ones, the strong warriors who do His bidding. So Rev Tanchum asks, Why are we speaking about angels in this week's Parsha? What does it have to do with the Parsha in Vayikra that Hashem called Moses? So we answer that Moses was like an angel. And what Bechina, what aspect was Moses like an angel? He was always willing to do the will of God. He was waiting, like an angel waits, for God to command him to do something. Moshe Rabbeinu was waiting for God to tell him what to do. And that's why he heard when God spoke. So what does this have to do with us? So the Nesivas Shalom explains that really every event that occurs in our lives is a calling from God. God is speaking to us through the events that happen in our lives. And if we listen, we'll understand what God wants from us. But if we don't listen, we go on our merry way, and we don't know what God, we don't care, we're not interested in what God wants from us. And we, therefore, we don't hear God. 
But surely at turning points in our life, sometimes God revs up the reality when you have a bris or when you get married or you have a baby or lo elena, you have a tragic event. So at these events, since we have heightened awareness, sometimes we do hear God. We hear God speaking to us when we have these tremendous events that happen to our lives, whether it's a tremendous event in terms of simcha or a tremendous event in terms of tragedy. At those times, we have a better chance to hear God. So those are the times we have to use that experience to listen and hear what does God want from us? What is God telling us through this event that occurred to us? So Rav Yitzchak Zilberstein explains that it's not always so simple. Because two people can have the same event occur to them, they can be together in the event, and still they will hear different messages. Why? Because each person is an individual. What do you get out of the event? He brings a story like this. One time there was a couple about to get married, and they found out three weeks before the wedding that Lenu, the husband, had cancer. So what are they going to do now? So the parents of the girl are saying, listen, let's, you have to break off the shidduch. You can't marry somebody who has cancer. And the husband was saying the same thing. I want to break the shidduch. I don't want my wife to marry me if I have cancer, God forbid. And why should I put her through such suffering? So that's the message that he got from this fact that he had cancer. But the wife got the opposite message. The wife got the message, no, this is my test, and I have to go forward with it. This is my zivuk, and I want to go forward. In the end, they got a bracha from Chaim Kavanetsky, and they got married, and everything worked out. But you see from the same exact event, two different people got two different messages. And not only that, but we can actually wind up with the wrong message from an event. The Messiah Shisham explains, For the darkness of night can cause two errors in judgment regarding the human eye. It can either blind the person completely where it doesn't see at all, or it blinds him in the sense that a pillar appears to be a man or a man appears to be a pillar. So he goes on to explain, just like by seeing also the reality of this world, the material and corporal world operate in the same way. The darkness of the night of the eye is like the darkness of the intellect, and the intellect can make two errors. Or it can prevent the person from seeing at all. Like he says, it prevents the individual from seeing the obstacles standing in the pathway of this world. So the fools walk in confidence stumbling and perishing without any fear. <laughs> they just don't know it. They're walking around in this world. They have no idea what's going on. In the end, the lower land, they die after 120 years, and that's it. But, or the, but there's another problem, he says, a second error. The second error is greater than the first. Why? Because the person distorts reality to the degree that they see something that's evil to be good. And therefore, they strengthen themselves in their evil deeds. God forbid, a person has a krumdea, he has a wrong view of life, some kind of liberal, crazy idea, and he continues, and he thinks it's a big mitzvah to do what he's doing, but really it turns out it's a big avera, and he strengthens himself in it. So the same thing, a person can have an event occur, and he gets the wrong message, not the right message, and he uses that event to strengthen his views. For example, there's another famous story, I think it's Rechaim Shmuelovich. He tells a story about one time there was a man and woman, and they had a daughter, and they were making a shidduch for the daughter. What happened? There was a wonderful boy. He was a tremendous tamachachim. He had tremendous character, but he had a problem. He had a bad leg. So the father says, okay, 
it's okay. He could, she could still marry him. But the mother was adamant about it. No way. I'm not going to let my daughter marry a guy who has a bad leg. So fine. As time goes on during this period, it turns out that the husband was very weak. He had to go to the doctor. So the doctor recommended that before he goes to pray every morning, he should drink a hot tea. So he told his wife, and his wife was complaining, why, how can you drink before davening? We know the halakha, because you're not supposed to drink, you're not supposed to eat before davening. Okay, but anyway, so he did it. And she, every morning she used to bring him a tea. One of these mornings during this period, the wife slipped and broke her leg while bringing him the tea. And what's the lesson that she learned out from this? She said, you see, I broke my leg because you're not supposed to be drinking tea. That's why I broke my leg. <laughs> really, it's a silly story. She broke her leg because Hashem wanted to tell her, listen, your daughter has a shidduch. He's a wonderful guy. He has tremendous character. Okay, he has a problem with his leg, but that's not the essential. That was the message she was supposed to get out of the story. Instead, she got the message out of the story that was because of her husband that made her bring, bring him tea, and she's not supposed to be drinking tea before davening, so that's why she broke her leg. So you see, the event can occur in our life, and this happens to us all the time. We have events that occur, and uh, we get the wrong message. There's a famous joke about this. There's two pilots sitting in a plane, and they're coming up to it, to, and they see clouds, a lot of clouds. All of a sudden, they see a sheep in the middle of the clouds. So one pilot says to the other, what's this sheep doing way up here in the clouds? In other words, he changed the wrong premise. The fact that he sees a sheep means he's about to hit a mountain. They're not really way up in the clouds. They're low in the clouds. So the same thing, we do the same thing in our own lives. Hashem is sending us messages through the events in our lives, and we interpret it in the wrong way. But if we're open-minded, and if we're not no gay abadaver, that means to be biased. We don't have our own personal interests, so then we'll be able to hear what God is trying to tell us. And this is what Rav Shimshon Rafael Hirsch explains. He explains, Vayikra, Hashem called Moses. It came completely outside of Moses. The thing came from outside, had nothing to do with his internal state. He explains like this. So the word of God came to Moses, his word alone. It did not derive from anything inside of Moses, but it came from without calling him, interrupting him, rousing him from his own thoughts, so he would concentrate on listening to what God has to say. It distinguishes God alone as the speaker, and Moses was merely the listener. Moses did not bring it about that God would speak to him, nor did he have any idea. We know that Moses had no idea whether God was going to speak to him or not. That's why he had to separate from his wife, Sipporah, because he didn't know when God was going to come which is not true by Bilaam. It says Bilaam knew when God was going to come. Why? Because Bilaam aroused himself. He had his own ideas and his own spirituality, and he did it to himself that he raised himself out that he could get prophecy. But the prophecy was tainted. Why was it tainted? Because it was coming from him, inside of him. No. To really hear what God is saying, you have to be objective. You have to look at this action that occurred, this mice that happened, and you have to say, what is there to learn from this? Because every single event, like the Sibas Yashamun says, every single event in our lives is an event of God calling to us. God is speaking to us. God speaks to us through all the actions that he does in our lives. And the Bali Musr tell us, if we don't hear God speaking to us, that's the biggest busha, the biggest embarrassment. It's a tochacha. What a rebuke. God speaks and you don't listen? Aren't you not embarrassed? 
God is speaking with the voice of Sinai that, that breaks the cedars, that, that changes, that shakes the entire world. The whole world is trembling from God's voice. All the events in our life should shake us. They should bring us to tshuva. They should direct us. And if we're not being directed by the events in our lives and we're saying everything is a mikra, it doesn't matter, it happens by itself. No, this means this. It doesn't matter. All of a sudden bad things are happening and you're saying, ah, no big deal. What does it mean anyway? And you, Adarabah, just the opposite. You take the event and you use it to continue in your bad ways, in your crum ideas, in your crooked ideas. You continue in those ways so that it's an embarrassment. How could you possibly hear God and, and, and do the opposite? And Ramosha Feinstein asked the question, wait a second, why was God's voice so loud if none of the Jews heard it, if nobody heard it, only Moses heard it? Why did it have to be so loud? So he answers, because the fact that it's loud, the fact that it's there, gives us more of an obligation. We're obligated to hear that voice. We have to strive, like the Orachim said, we have to desire, we have to want to hear, God, what do you want from me? What is this coming to tell me? And we have to be objective, like Rav Shem Harsh explained. It comes from the outside, not from inside our own personal ideas. Really, really, what is going on? God, why is this happening? And to really desire, to want to know which direction to take. And Moshe Sternbuch gives a second answer to the question. Why does it say he called? You leave God out of the picture? Why is God out of the picture? It should say Hashem called. He called. So he wants to answer because it has nothing to do with Hashem. It has to do with us. Hashem wanted to put the focus. When, I, when things happen, it has to do with us. The message is for us. It has nothing to do with God. First of all, God doesn't need us. We need God. It has nothing to do with God. God calls to us for our sake. <laughs> all the events that occur in our lives are for us, to direct us, to help us, and especially the important events. And at the important events, we can use our emotions to change, to grow, and also the Chagim, the holidays. All these Jewish events that occur, we can use the Jewish events to move ourselves, to grow. And that's what it's about. That's why we have the Chagim. Because each event is a message from God. And God wants us to change ourselves and to go in the right direction. So I just want to end off with the Chasim Sofri. He says a beautiful thing. The Midrash says, What we say in Kedusha every day, that the angels call one to each other. And the Targum explains, Just as one Malak, when one angel calls to the other angel, it strengthens that angel, they get strengthened by each other, so too, when Hashem calls to us and we listen, it strengthens the Shekhinah, it strengthens God's presence in the world. If we listen to God and we do what God says, we're bringing God into the world and that's what God wants. He's talking to us through all the actions. He's talking to us through everything in our daily events that happen to us. And when we listen to those daily events, we strengthen God in the world and we come close to God. And this is such an important idea because it's a daily occurrence. It's, it's one of the essentials, it's one of the episodes of being religious to listen. To what is God telling me now? What does God want from me now? And when we do that, we strengthen God in the world. When we listen to Him, we bring him more into the world and we fulfill our purpose and we bring blessings to the entire world. Here's a powerful parable to open your mind and help you reach your potential. 
So the Magin Maduba brings this first. It says in this week's Parsha, if the anointed Kohen should sin to bring a guilt on the people. It's talking about what the Kohen has to do if the Kohen himself sins. So he wanted to bring a mushal to explain it. One time there was an expert thief who broke into this huge barn that had tons of wheat inside of it. But what he did, he just got in, he broke in, and he took one sack of wheat. The problem was, and he stole that and he left, the problem was he left the door open. And since he left the door open, what happened? The next morning the animals came in, and they started to eat, fine. The next day after that, a bunch of hooligans came in, they stole more stuff. At the end of the day, almost the entire stock of everything was gone. So in the end, what happened? The thief got caught. And the judge said, listen, you have to pay the entire amount of money. He said, what are you talking about? I stole one sack of grain. What do you, what do you want from me? He says, it's true. But as a result of your crime, everything was lost. So the same thing by the Kohen or by any leader. If the leader sin, it leads all the people off the way. Also in your own house. If you sin, your children see you sinning, your wife sees you sinning. So they also sin. And because of you, other people sin. So you have to be very careful not to sin to affect other people. It's time for Great Stories About Great Rabbis. Rebbe Kiva Eger was very strict to visit all the sick people of his city. So one time he was visiting a sick person, and as he looks out the window, he notices that the king's physician is walking by. So they called the king's physician. He said, go get the king's physician and bring him inside. I want to know what's going on with this man. So the king's physician came in, examined the man. He said, listen, he has an incurable disease. So Rebbe Kiva Eger said to him, listen, if he was the king, would you say he has an incurable disease? He says, you know what? Actually, the king had this disease, but the problem is the disease is very difficult to cure. The only way to cure it is through this rare bird that's in the desert. What the king did, he sent out a bunch of soldiers and they got that bird and they cured the king. But this man, how's he going to get to eat this bird? There's no way. How's he going to get to the desert? So then the physician left. So what did Reb Kivegu do? He went into the next room. He started to pray. He said, Hashem, the Jewish people are like your children. And this sick man, therefore, is like one of your princes. Please bring this bird that we can heal him, that he can eat the bird and be healed. What happened? <laughs> All of a sudden, the bird shows up on the windowsill. So they caught the bird, they fed the bird to the man, and they said, listen, I want you to shake this bird, I want you to kosher the bird, feed it to the sick man, but I want you to save the wings. So that's what happened. He ate the bird, and he got cured. Later, a year later, he saw the king's physician again. He said, listen, we got the bird, we fed it to the guy, and it worked. It's true what you're saying. He says, I don't believe it. There's no way. There's no way you got this bird. The bird is only found in the desert and not found in the city. So, Rebbe Kiva Eger sent the wings to the physician to show him that really he had the bird. So the, the physician said, oh, only a Jewish rabbi could do such a thing. What a miracle. And because of that miracle, was a Kiddush Hashem, people heard about it. There's also another famous story like this, Rebbe Chaim Kavanetsky, when they were learning the sugya of, of locusts, which locusts are kosher. He was saying, I wish I could see the locust. It says in the Gemara, this type of locust, that with these types of wings, short wings, long wings. All of a sudden, the locust, this is a true story, it's documented. All of a sudden, the locust 
pops up on his windowsill and pops up onto his Gemara. And he takes a look at the locust and he sees from the locust uh, how, to, how to understand the Gemara. True story. Hashem is running the world and the rabbis are so close to God that God interacts with them in a very personal way. Learn to give, love, and communicate. This is Peace in Your Home. So Rav Moshe Arnstone speaks about peace in your home and he's talking about giving attention, how important it is to give attention. It's not just a question of giving money to your kids, money to your wife. It's also if you give gifts. It says in Chazal, and it says in Baba Basra, when a person gives a coin to a poor man, he gets six blessings. But if he consoles him with words, he gets 11 blessings. So giving attention is even a greater mitzvah than giving tzedakah. The same thing with your family. Not to just throw money at them, but to give attention to them, to speak to them, to speak to your wife, to spend time speaking, speaking with your kids. We know that Ammon and Moab, they were denied entrance to Klai Yisrael. They're not allowed to convert. Why? Because they didn't come in the desert to greet us with bread and water. But the kasha is, wait a second, the Jews still had, we had the man, we had water. So what's so important that they bring it to us? No, it was the character. The fact that they neglected the custom, that they didn't come to bring us bread and water, it shows that there are evil people, bad people. So they weren't allowed to convert. So too in your house, make sure you, you, you care about your kids, you care about your wife. You have to show them that you care about them. And sometimes you can't help the situation. Sometimes you have a situation in your house, but you can't help it. But just the fact that you show that you care, that's enough to help the situation. He brings a proof by Moshe Rabbeinu. The Chazal says, the Shmos Rabbah says, Moshe lowered the, his shoulder to help every single one of the Jewish slaves. Uh, the question is, how can Moshe help 600,000 Jewish slaves? The answer is, no, by showing that he cared about the slaves, he able, he's able to help all the slaves. He was able to help all the Jewish people. Just by showing you care, that's enough to give encouragement to your wife or to your kids, even if you can't actually help. Also, there are some mitzvahs that only you can do. It's called a mitzvah shabagufa. Only you can do. A mitzvah that only you can do, you have to stop learning and you have to do the mitzvah. That happens to do, for example, talking to your wife, talking to your kids. Only you can do that. What, somebody else is going to talk to them? No, you have to do it. So if you have to do it, it's a mitzvah shabagufa. And therefore, you should even movato time from learning in order to do that mitzvah. They say that Rabbi Yosef Chaim Zoenfeld used to spend a half hour a day with his wife and he used to learn with her. So the women in the neighborhood, they heard that the, the Rav of Yushalayim is learning with his wife. They asked the wife, maybe we can come, maybe we can take a class. So the wife asked, maybe other women could come and they could also come to the shir. So he said to her, no, this time is special for you. It's only for you. And she was so happy to hear, here's the Rav of Yushalayim spending a half hour a day learning with his wife how she felt, and how he cared about her, and how he spent time with her. It says in Chazal, Ishto Kagufo, a man's wife is like his own body, and it actually has a lachic ramification. For example, God forbid, if a person's wife is captured by Gentiles, so anybody can give aidus, they can give testimony that she wasn't touched by the Gentiles, she wasn't raped, nothing happened to her. Even a brother or a sister or cousins, usually relatives, are not allowed to give testimony. But in this case, somebody else can, except for one person, the husband. The husband cannot give testimony that his wife wasn't touched. Why? It says, Ishto kagufo. A man's wife is like his body. It's an extension of himself. 
The Meshach Chokmah brings down that by Avram Avinu, it says that her tent was set up first. First, you have to make sure everything is good in the house. If everything is good in the house, then you can go on to spirituality, on to new levels. But the most important thing is the house. If the house is not working well, how can you expect to have Menuchas and Nefesh? How can you expect to have peace of mind if you have problems in your house? And the Ravid explains, just like a person has a natural inclination to protect himself, he should have the same natural inclination to protect his wife and his family. You have to really care about them. And there's the famous story of Ravaria Levine, who went to the doctor with his wife and said to the doctor, our foot is hurting us. In other words, his wife's foot was like his foot. So of course, if you care about your family and you give attention to your family, you're going to bring peace into your home. Okay, that's it for this week's Torah podcast. Please leave comments and please share it with your friends. Thank you for listening. To get more enthusiasm for your Judaism, become a free member at globalyeshiva.com.